Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Is she deeply cares for people. She deeply loves people. And I love that about her. She's really given her entire life to this. This is what she does literally 24 seven. I always feel lazy when I look at Jenny's page and all the stuff she's doing. And I'm like, man, I didn't do anything today, but she is just a go-getter. She's not waiting around for permission. She's not waiting around for approval. She's doing it and running hard for God. Her and her husband are amazing. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. He knows that. I told him that I think yesterday or the day before, but she's just awesome. I've seen her in the behind the scenes and also on the stage. And I'm telling you guys, she's the same person on the stage as she is behind the scenes. She genuinely loves and cares for people. I love what she's doing with the core group. Okay, I'm going on and on. I'm gonna have her share a little bit about this, but without further ado, please help me welcome on Jenny Weaver. Jenny, how are you doing tonight? I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> that was so such an honorable thing that you said. And I just, I'm so excited to be on Oh my goodness, Stephen and I just love you. We adore you. You are the real deal. And anytime that you ever ask me to be on, my answer is always yes. We change the whole core group schedule. Come on. We let everybody know we're co- we're going over to Isaiah's page in the name of Jesus. And we fully support uh, what you're doing, your family, everybody. And so thank you for that introduction. I'm excited about tonight. I appreciate that. You know, the crazy thing is I'm not trying to be super spiritual here, but every single time I ask you, you already know I'm going to ask you. The last time I asked you to be on, you were like, God literally told me you were going to ask me today, which is so crazy. And then this time I asked you, you're like, no way you won't believe it. But I had moved something around. Like I knew something was going to happen. And you text me right as I was about to text you, which is crazy. You know, we talk every few weeks. So for you to text me the same exact time, it's just been God. And so I really believe that tonight is ordained by God. I really believe that this is going to set some people free. I do believe there's a danger when we tell people, oh, you're not supposed to do this or God can't do this in your life or we start limiting what God can and can't do and we're going to wrestle with the scripture as many people have in the past and we're going to share what we believe the Bible says and what Paul is saying and then we have some articles that I've prepared that we're going to read as well from other people that are scholars historians that have you know talked about this issue but I would love Jenny just to start with maybe just tell the people I know a lot of people know who you are in the core group maybe I'll have some viewers here there's some people just clicking on because they see women in ministry and they're like what that want to know a little bit about you. So maybe talk a little bit about your testimony, where you came from, what God's done in your life, and then a little bit about what you're doing. And then we'll jump into building a case of women in the ministry. And then we'll address, of course, the verses that people say t- teach the women shouldn't be in the ministry. Yeah, absolutely. I can do that. I just want to say hello to everybody in the core group and just everybody on the page, wherever you fall in this debate and your your thinking, your theology, if you know or you're unsure, wherever you fall, I just want to say, may the spirit of the Lord just cover this broadcast yes. and may we yield and submit one to another. And so that we are not divisive or offended or allowing bitterness or contentiousness to just get in that we are just calm, peacefully talking about this and let the Holy Spirit bring us into the place of truth because he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will literally make you free. And so I just pray right now for the broadcast that as people are watching, that they will receive downloads and revelation from the Holy Spirit himself tonight in Jesus name. I have a crazy testimony. Most people know it, but I came out of 
years of drugs, nine years of being um, on and off of drugs, heroin. I was a meth addict. I was on every kind of drug that you could imagine. I was um, deeply into witchcraft. I was a practicing, self-proclaimed Wiccan witch. And I remember doing all the different things, getting into circles with people, asking spirits and deities and all kinds of demons, what they are, to come inside of me, literally. Thought that was going to open my eyes and I was going to be more enlightened. And, And so I lived a life of craziness. I lived on the streets. I was homeless. I was a cutter. I was suicidal. I was in and out of jail, mugshots all over the place. I was a criminal. Um, And so my life was really, really toxic. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't care if someone kidnapped me. I didn't care if they put a gun to my head. I did not care. I would jump in cars with people, strangers. I've never met a day in my life and did not care the drugs that they gave me, whether it was poison, whether they were gonna be able to take advantage of me, I didn't even care. I had no reason to live. And the enemy had pulled me so far into that world and God came in and literally set me free. If it wasn't for God who was on my side, seriously, I would be dead or I would be in prison. And so um, I met my husband who was a meth dealer at the time. I got pregnant. The Lord radically saved me. I went to rehab. I I got clean. And the Lord began to take me through the process of deliverance. And that's why I'm so passionate about people being set free, healed, and delivered. God literally delivered me of multiple, multiple, multiple demons. I was there, and I heard them all coming out. I heard all the different voices. I heard and seen everything. I see my arms moving. I'm like a worship leader at this point, coming out of rehab, became a worship leader and was getting delivered of demons. So I absolutely love seeing people come from a place of bondage into the place of liberty by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you this, until the day that Jesus Christ himself calls me home, I am not going to stop proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what we come to a conclusion. If you either believe this today or you just go about your merry way and say, I still don't believe. I'm going to continue to preach. I'm going to continue to make sure that I grab somebody out of the grips of hell before I go on to be with the Lord. That's my life mission. I've given my life for this thing. I am no longer my own. I am a bond servant to Christ. I want to be chained to him. I don't want to just go and do my own thing. My own thing is to have my life laid down for Christ. Whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. If he says jump, my answer is yes, sir. How high? How can I serve you today, Jesus? My life is committed. I'm not guessing. I'm not wondering. I believe in holiness. I believe in purity. Hello, somebody. I believe in doing it the right way. I believe in the whole Bible. I believe in studying and knowing for ourselves. I believe in doing the commission and preaching the gospel to the nations. And so that's me. I love it. I love it. I'm fired up already. You know, one thing I love about social media is we don't have to wait on the permission of an, a religious leader to say you can or can't do something. And I love what you've done with the core group. You guys are just running hard. You're doing these events. Now you guys have core men, core kids. You guys are really reaching this generation, building a community. 
making people feel like they're a part of something. You know, Jenny, there's so many people in the church that are disenfranchised. They feel like they're not a part of anything. They feel like they've been separated. Like they go to church on Sunday, but there's not really that community that they have and they've never really been empowered to fulfill the calling on their life. And one thing that I love about your, your group that you have, the core group, the community, is you're empowering them to do what God's called them to do. So, you know, you look at like Ephesians 4.11, the fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints. Like we've been called not to just do the ministry, but to equip you guys to do the ministry. So we believe tonight that God is going to set some of you free that have been in religious bondage, that have let the enemy, have let society, have let the culture, have let religion silence you and muzzle you. And the Lord is going to take that muzzle off of you. That you've listened to so many people tell you what you can't do. And I'm telling you tonight what you can do. And you can preach. You can prophesy. I'm going to show you undoubtedly, unarguably, if that's even a word that I just made up, without doubt that women can prophesy. Paul tells us this. We see this through scripture. Women can preach. Women can pray. And we're going to talk about some of the nuances and some of the verses. But let's talk a little bit, Jenny, as we build a case of women in ministry in the Bible. And again, guys, this is a secondary issue. If you're just jumping on, there's no need to go crazy in the chat. There's no need to jump off the ship here. If you don't believe what we're saying or you believe something different, that's totally cool. We can still be brothers. You don't need to call me a heretic. I don't think you're a heretic. We're gonna be able to do our, our own thing. This is a secondary doctrine and issue of women in the ministry. So maybe let's talk about some of the women in the Bible or in the Old Testament or in the New Testament that were in the ministry, maybe someone in the scripture that you really look up to that was a woman, because we see women all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament in scripture, yet here we have now this idea, and I know you have a word you've been given of the Deborahs arising, but we have this now, this, this church age where it's like as if God didn't use any women in the Bible. But then you read the Bible and you're like, there's women all throughout the Bible being used powerfully by God. There's prophetesses and there's deliverers in scripture that are women. And then you look at even the funding of Jesus's ministry. A group of women were funding his ministry. You look at, he had women that were following him and the disciples. You had women in the book of Acts. I mean, we're gonna, I'm gonna go into it and we'll talk about it, but maybe give us a little bit of your intro to the women in ministry. Maybe some thoughts that you'd give as we get into this um, for those watching men and women. And again, I believe many women are gonna get free here and find their voice tonight absolutely well i love this topic i'm a woman and <laughs> i'm in ministry and i lead currently just the women alone i believe we are over nine thousand five hundred women wow. in the core group and we are at um 2,300 men and with the teenagers That's who are crazy. in personal mentor. Yes, I actually can count the ones that are in the teenagers and the kids who are in my mentorship group. So we have a total of over about 13,000 people in the core group right now. Wow. And so I love to teach women. It all started as me just teaching women. And then my husband came along and he began to mentor, privately mentor the men. And it has grown absolutely insane. Yeah, talk it to us really quickly about, and take a little bit of time here about the core group. Cause like you said, yeah. you're teaching around 10,000 women, your husband's teaching yeah. several thousand men. And that really just started taking off the men's core group. So you guys were around a lot longer. And I know in the beginning, even when I spoke, it was, it was women only. So maybe talk yeah. about that, how you're overseeing this group of women, you're leading this group of women how did the core group start because a lot of people hear about it it's been all over christian television all over these interviews and cbn all these people have picked it up maybe how did that start and then we'll go into you know the women in the bible sure yeah well the lord just spoke to my uh spiritual father and told me that, that i was going to have an online school i just began to 
go live and just teach the the bit that I knew. I just stayed in my lane and um, I was still singing the scriptures. This is in 2018. And the core group began to take its place. And it was about 50 women. And so I was just teaching them quietly. I wasn't asking anybody to be a part. It was just like, if you figured it out, you figured it out. And um, the Lord began to develop it coming into the pandemic. It really started to pick up. And I remember people really wanting community. And the Lord told me, I want you to teach live. No more recording. I was recording like five, 10 minute classes and I would just upload them. We would do assignments and then we would just talk about it online. And that was pretty much it. It wasn't really live. And then the Lord changed everything. I started to go live. The, the group started to grow. And last year, this is actually our anniversary this weekend. Come on. Last year, I know it's so exciting. We had our first gathering of 300 ladies, April 8th and 9th, 300 ladies in Orlando. My very Only first Only a year ago. A wow. year ago, not even a total year, like That's a couple of days until that. And um, that day, revival broke out, literally causing something to become extremely alive and growing like wildfire. At that point, we were having thousands join the core group. And it's crazy because it took me years to get a thousand students. And then in two weeks, it was like it was already double that. And mm. it grew and grew and grew. It's been powerful. You know, people have come in and out and it's just whatever the season that they're in, it has been incredible. And so, yes, I am the lead for this group. Um, and then my husband is leading the men and overseeing all of it. I'm overseeing all of the groups, the, um, the core men, I'm an admin in there, the teens, the kids, the women that we do core marriages, we do core health, we do core singles, core evangelism training, core jail ministry, core farms core missions, core wells in Africa. You guys are we, taking like, over the world. Doing it all. I we're doing love it all. It. And all we think of Isaiah is this. All we're going to do is mimic the Acts church. If mm. the Acts church was holding fast to the apostle doctrine and meeting in homes and breaking bread and worshiping and praying and having the Lord's Supper and the Bible says and signs and wonders began to take place and people had the real fear of God and they met in homes and mm. the Lord added to the church daily. And so I look at the word and I go, if I don't see that in the current church world, we have gone wrong somehow. Help us, Lord, to be restored to your original plan. And I found that people love genuine, real deal yes. leaders who will say, I don't have it all together. I'm going to humble myself before you guys. And we're going to walk this journey together. We train everybody in the core group. Do not rely on Stephen and I to Come cast on. the devil out of all 13,000 of you. Do not rely on Stephen and I to have to lay hands on everybody. We're going to train you. You're going to grow in God. You're going to walk in your authority. Then you're going to get up. You're going to meet in your house. You cast the devil out of your own team. You go evangelize your own city and you see the world turned upside down because of the power of the Holy Spirit within you. We don't have people that are um, on crutches that are just leaning on us and just everything's all about the leader. No, we're all in this together. Let's link arms. Let's move forward in God and let's get on that battlefield and take back souls. People are dying and going to hell. 
just go to Walmart, just go to a gas station and look around. It's like zombie land. And we need the church Come to on. stop debating over the pettiest things. You're telling me you want over half of the church to sit down and be quiet? How are we going to effectively change the world? No, no, no. Ladies, come on with me. Ladies, get up from that quiet place. Ladies, get come up on. from that silent place. And men too. And let's get on the battlefield. Share that testimony. Preach the gospel. Teach your kids. Raise up people in the body. And let's continuously send them out. This is the apostolic call of God on the life of a believer period. I'm not doing anything special. I'm just running the race set before me so people don't die and go to hell. And that's a fact. And if I was in front of a family member right now, just me, a woman of God, and your family member needed the gospel preached to them because they were going to die and go to hell, I guarantee that would challenge your theology in that moment. If they had two minutes to live and I was the only person in the room and I said, can I preach to them? You would say yes, or you would be stuck in pride. And here's the thing, Jesus, he wants us to do this. He loves for us to do this. He's commissioned us to do this. And so that's what I'm going to share about that. Come and then on. I'm going to go right into women. So in the Bible, we can go back to the Old Testament. We can see Deborah. I love this example because Isaiah, it wasn't that she was just Deborah the prophetess, which the Bible says she was a prophetess. Look, if we need to look that up, I'm pretty sure prophetess did not just have the word in their head. Mm. And they just kept it inside. You have to proclaim it out of your mouth, correct? So when you prophesy, you're speaking forth something. You're declaring something. You're proclaiming something. And so she was a prophetess. And the thing about this was Deborah was the leader and judge of the whole nation of Israel. She wasn't the leader of just the women's section. She wasn't the leader of just the Sunday school class with the kiddos. She was the leader over every person, all the prominent men in the land. She was the leader over them, including the, the army's commander. She was a leader over the men. Now, the only way people could be judges is if God himself chose the judge. God chose the judges. And so God chooses Deborah, the fifth judge. And he says, I'm going to make her a leader. Nobody in that time, Isaiah, nobody contested it. Nobody was like, oh, Deborah told us to go to war. We can't listen to this woman. Why is this mm. woman sitting under the palm trees telling us what to do, judging the people? Nobody contested it. It was just a known thing. And this is in the Old Testament when women's rights were even more pushed down than they were in the New Testament or in our day. And yet she was a leader and she was confident. She was so confident that she could tell the army's commander, Barak, she could tell him, you're going to go to war, go get 10,000 men, and you're going to go. And this is what the Lord God said. And he says, we're not going unless you go with us. And I gave that word about the Debra's arising because it's not that he was weak. He wasn't weak. He wasn't like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go because I really need this woman. It was customary. It was normal in the Bible days 
for the prophet at that time to always go to war when the men of God went to war. They always brought the prophet. And so she just so happened to be a female and she just so happened to be the, be the prophet in the land. And so it was normal to say, we need you to come on the battlefield with us. How would we know what the Lord God wants unless you go with us? And she was bold enough to say, that the victory is not going to you. The victory is going to come to the hands of a woman. Now, tell me that that was not a bold prophecy. That wasn't you're getting a mansion next week. That wasn't turn around three times for the victory. That was a strong, hard word. And she was so firm in her relationship with God Almighty that when he told her to speak, she spoke it. And it was received and it came to pass. And so we see Deborah, we see Esther, we see God raising up women of God. Esther calls a fast and all the men in Israel, they followed that command. They so did good. what Esther said. So people cannot say, well, Esther shouldn't have had authority over men. But why did she call the fast? And why did everybody oblige that and obey that? Because God put her in that position. And we have so many women. You have Miriam, who was a prophetess. You have women in the New Testament all through the Bible, we can see God using women so all good. through the Bible. And so I want to encourage you guys to really study out the scriptures. Isaiah, it looks at times, if people don't really study, it can look like the Bible contradicts itself. It looks mm. like that. But you're like, well, God said for the women, you know, they're not to speak and they're to be silent. So then why in the Bible does he tell the woman of God? In the Old Testament, to speak and say this to my people and to tell them this. and to, But then over here, he changes his mind and say, no, never mind. No women speak. It will look like a contradiction. There are no contradictions in the word of God. There are only places we have not yet fully understood what is being relayed to us right there. We are the ones that are mixing it up. Whenever there's a contradiction, it's because we have not come into the fullness of the understanding of what was being written, who it was being written to, why it was being written, when it was released, and all the information pertaining to it. It is not that God contradicts himself. So if he used a woman named Deborah, and if he used a woman named Esther, then he will use you, he will use your daughter, he will use a Jenny Weaver. Come on in here, somebody. He will use He will use Phoebe, he will use Priscilla, he will use Junior. He will use Mary Magdalene. He will use the woman at the well. I'm preaching better than people are saying. Amen. Come on, God come on. is not schizophrenic. God has not changed his mind. He wants us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He said in his word that the women are great. There's a great host of women. And what do they do? They proclaim the word of the Lord. That's our job. And so don't good. you let anybody that doesn't understand the scriptures tell you to be quiet and go sit in a corner and bake cakes. Don't you let no devil tell you that you're out, you're, you're in sin, you're going to go to hell. Isaiah, people have threatened me. They have literally tried to curse me. Tell me that I am going to hell to burn for eternity. Crazy. I have screenshots of the messages. People have literally wrote me and said, I'm false, I'm going to hell, I'm a Jezebel, I'm the, everything you could imagine, 
all because I'm talking about this one topic right here. I can't tell you the amount of warfare that women will go through when they step on the front lines and they start kicking down doors for other women to walk through because it's not time for us to be silent. It's not time for us to sit and be quiet and not to preach and teach and do anything. It is time for us to proclaim the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. Come on. And you guys are like, can women preach? You just got it right there. Yes, women can absolutely <laughs> preach. Jenny is preaching. Powerful, powerful word, Jenny, there. I wanted to touch on also what you're saying here with Miriam in the Old Testament. People are like, oh, you guys, we're literally, she's literally quoting from the Bible, preaching the word of God. Miriam in Exodus 15, Deborah in Judges 4, Huldah, who is also a prophet, who authenticated the scroll of the law found in the temple, that's 2 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles 34. And then in the New Testament, Tabitha, who had a benevolence ministry in Acts chapter 9. Philip's had Philip had four unmarried daughters. Some say they were prophets, but we do know they prophesied in Acts 21 verses 8 through 9. Paul also singled out two women, which was Eudia uh, and Syntyche, women who contended by his side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of his fellow workers. That's in Philippians chapter 4 verse 2. Priscilla was one of Paul's fellow workers in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 16 3. In Romans 16, Paul greets a whole group of women he talks about um, Mary, Tryphena, Tryphosa, and Persis. These are all women in Romans 16, 6 and verse 12. And then he goes on to talk about how they labored in the ministry. That's 1 Corinthians 16, 16, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 1 Timothy 5, 17. And then Phoebe, who was a leader in the church, was highly commended by the church at Rome by Paul in Romans 16, 1. And the Bible translates her as a servant. And then the Greek would be deacon or minister. So here we have a New Testament. Phoebe was a minister. Some say, and they translate it, she was a pastor. She was an elder. But the most, the most, um, how do I say, mild translation, if you go as mild as possible, it's she's a deacon or minister. And I read an article that I want to share, Jenny, when I was doing research on this today. There's a lot of literature you guys can find on this topic of women in the Bible. Because we're building the case, women in the ministry. And then we're going to talk about which by the way, if you guys don't know, there's actually only two verses in the entire New Testament that prohibit, well, it seems to be prohibit um, women in the ministry, which we're gonna talk about both those verses and break down what, what the Bible says about those. But this article said this, in describing the group that accompanied Jesus through his ministry, Luke chapter eight, verse one through three lists women, including Mary Magdalene, Jonah, Susanna, and many others in quotes, along with the 12 disciples. Matthew also includes Salome, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's uh, chapter 27. And Mark includes Mary, the mother of James and Joseph as part of the group of women, that's chapter 15 of Luke. Jesus used the example of sacrificial giving of an impoverished widow to rebuke self-righteousness leaders at the temple. That's Luke 21, Mark 12. Jesus defended Mary against her sister Martha when Mary assumed the position of a disciple and sat at Jesus' feet rather than serving in the kitchen. That's Luke 10, 38. When a sinful woman entered a Pharisee's home where Jesus was eating and anointed Jesus' feet with oil, the disciples condemned her. But Jesus allowed her to remain and her active devotion won higher praise from Jesus than any act in all of the Gospels. That's Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 7, and John 12. And I actually talked about this two weeks ago. It's John 12, 1 through 8. Jesus included women as the characters in his parables, such as the parable of the woman and the lost coin. That's Luke 15. The widow and the unjust judge. That's Luke 18, 1 through 8. The 10 bridesmaids. Are you guys seeing this? Matthew 25. Jesus affirmed women were untouchable by society standards. Or he affirmed women who were untouchable by society standards, including a woman who was ceremonially unclean because of her bleeding. That's Luke 8, 43. And then that goes back to parallel of Leviticus 15, 25 through 30. A Samaritan woman 
that's John 4, where he meets the woman at the well, a woman caught in adultery, that's John 8, 1 through 11, and a Gentile woman with a demon-possessed daughter, that's Matthew 15, 21, and Mark 7, 24. So all through Jesus's ministry, we're seeing Jesus healing women. We're seeing Jesus call women his fellow workers. They're supporting financially. He's supported by a group of women. We see women all throughout the, the gospels. And then, and then he says this, when the political and religious leaders plotted to execute Christ after his arrest, it was Pilate's wife, who was the only person that came to his defense in Matthew 27, 19. When the disciples right. fled during Jesus's trial and crucifixion, the women, the Bible says, remained with them. That's Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Luke 23. John records that Jesus's mother, Jesus's aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood near the cross at the crucifixion. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the first woman who came to mourn his tomb. That's Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. So the point of the guy writing this article is, to us to say that there's no women involved in the ministry, for us to say that women have no voice to preach the message, they can't be disciples, they can't be leaders, which we're gonna go into you know, senior leaders, leaders over kids, we're gonna talk about all that tonight and get into all of that, that area. But this idea that women were detached, they were off on the side taking care of the kids at home and they had no responsibility when it comes to the kingdom, I just gave you a ton of verses where Jesus not only is working with women, he's using women in his, in his parables, he's healing women, he's delivering a woman's daughter, and he's putting them right a part of his kingdom. So it could have been every parable was about men. It could have been only the men got healed. It could have been only men supported Jesus. But we see women all throughout the gospels, all throughout Jesus's ministry, all throughout the New Testament. We gave you guys a bunch just there where women are linked in and apart. And again, we're not yet talking about, well, are they senior leaders? Because I know you guys in the chat are saying, well, yeah, we agree women can preach and women can teach, but we're saying they can't be leaders. And we're going to talk about that. But you guys have to remember the case of women being used by God and not only just the Bible, but what Jenny is sharing, are you going to say that Jenny and the 10,000 women that she's leading, that all of them are in rebellion to God, that all of them, like why deny the testimonies of anointed godly women that are proclaiming the gospel and there's lasting fruit, there's fruit that remains. So we can't just only look to, which um, of course we, our ultimate authority is the scripture, which we just look to, but also we have to look to modern day, God using undeniably, Jenny, undeniably using powerful anointed women to fulfill his purposes. If it wasn't the will of God for women to be in ministry or be used, why is it that when women pray for the sick, the sick get healed? Why is it that when women drive out demons, demons leave? Why is it when women get up and I've been in, I was in a service with you this last year, Jenny, where you got up and preached and the power of God moved strong. God validated it with signs and wonders, which we see in the book of Romans chapter 15. So why is it God is validating women using them powerfully, anointing them in a powerful way, using them to drive out devils, using them to heal the sick, using them. Jenny, your story is nothing but the hand of God. Literally, you can't, you can't even take credit if you wanted because it was only the mercy of God that brought you, most people haven't seen this picture, but she lived in a shack. She lived in a little, little crack house, a shack, literally. It was a one bedroom. It looked like a, a, a little bit, uh, like a big outhouse that Jenny was living in. And she even said this, like an animal. And God brings her out of that, fills her with the Holy Spirit, raises her up as a worship leader. And now God's using her to lead one of the most prolific, real 
real revival movement the earth has ever seen before. In our day, in our day, in 2023, we're not talking about Evan Roberts and Jonathan Edwards. Praise the Lord for Evan Roberts and Jonathan Edwards and all of them. We are talking about what God is doing right now. God is taking people from nothing and making them something and using them. And we're going to sit here and hide behind our degrees and hide behind because we know how to put words together and articulate. And we're going to use two verses. There is only two in all of the New Testament to say women can't teach and women can't preach. I mean, this is so crazy when it's clear that God is validating his ministry, that God is validating his work, and that we massively, I think one of the reasons, Jenny, and I'm just going to say it, that God is raising up women in this hour is because men are doing nothing. Men are too busy chasing after UFC and boxing and obsessed with all the things the world has to offer. And God's like, hey, if the men aren't going to rise up, I'll raise women up. No Jew nor Gentile, male nor female now, that we are all in God's spirit. We are sons and daughters of God. So I just... Jenny, I've researched, I've studied, I'm preaching the whole New Testament, every verse right now. And I've done a bunch of books. I've been spending the last two years of my life, 60, 70 hours of live streaming, teaching every verse. And I'm just not seeing this idea where God's like, women can't be used. I'm seeing all throughout, when I did the book of Acts verse by verse, I'm like, I'm seeing women all over and Paul's commending them. Now that's the same Paul, who we're going to discuss tonight, says women shouldn't be, women should be silent. Women shouldn't talk. Women need to have, we're going to talk about that as well. But guys, we ha- we can't just paint this with a broad brush and say, women have no part of the ministry. They can't do anything. So let's, if you m- don't mind, let's move into the two passages in the scriptures, sure. in the New Testament. I'll let you give a crack at it first, and then I'll give some of the stuff that I have prepared here. But we're going to go to, there's only two in the Bible, and I'll just hear your thoughts. And, you know, again, we don't have to go into some super deep theological apologetics. We're just talking here. Okay. We're just preaching. We're just sharing. But I just want to hear your thoughts on the verse. Because, again, I want to say this, and I'm going to keep saying it and sound like a broken record. And I'm sure all the heresy hunters are going to clip this because they're dry. They're drier than cracker juice. They have no content. <laughs> but we're going to give you guys the two verses in the Bible. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35. Okay, and I'm going to read this out for those of you that don't have your Bibles with you. And then I'm going to share what I believe. And then I'm going to share a little article here of someone way smarter than me that studied the Bible way longer. But I'll, I'll hear Jenny's thoughts first because I don't want to share my stuff and then her be like, I, did, you know, I don't have nothing to say. I want to make sure that we give you a chance to share this as well. It says this. Okay, we're going to be clear. This is New King James. Let your women be silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak. Remember, this is Paul speaking, okay? Remember, this is Paul, the one that commended women, that appreciated women, said, you're my fellow workers. Even there was a woman deacon, okay? So he said, let your women be silent. They're not permitted to speak. They are to be submissive. As the law also says, and then verse 35, if they want to learn something, okay? So we already know Paul is talking about them learning something. He's not saying they shouldn't teach and preach. Paul connects it to if they want to learn something. Now, when you preach, and this is just, revelation God's given me on the spot though when you want to preach you're not preaching to learn you've already learned when you preach so we know Paul's now connecting this to and if they want to learn something so he's saying these women that are trying to learn so these must not be preachers let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church that's first Corinthians 14 34 through 35 and again this has been debated thousands of years. Me and Jenny will pass away. And if the Lord tarries 500 years from now, 100 years, 20 years, who knows, they'll still be debating this. This will never get where we're all on one side. So whatever side of the fence you ride on, Jenny, when you hear this, this is the one verse that's used. Women should not speak. Women should not talk in the church. What are some of your initial thoughts on this verse or maybe something you've been taught about this you know, throughout the years? Yeah, it sounds when you read that, you're like, oh my gosh you get scared. You're like, oh no, we're not supposed to preach. We're not supposed to speak. 
Women have to remain silent in churches. If women have to remain silent in churches, why are there female worship leaders? Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to sing. You're not allowed to speak. You're not allowed to teach that backdoor Sunday class. Don't speak to the children that you're directing. Yep. Don't speak. You're, you don't, you're silent. So is it that is a broad statement to this church and every church throughout the generations until the Lord comes back? I don't think that it is. I do believe that in this time, he's writing letters and he's bringing order yes. to these new converts who came out of pagan lifestyles. They came out of when they would get together, there would be all this commotion. Even when they were taking the Lord's Supper, some of them were literally getting drunk. He says right here in the book of Corinth, in this uh, Corinth church, he says, some of you are in the church, you're getting drunk. Yep. You're eating the Lord's Supper. You're not waiting for the people. You're selfish. You're 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 literally just making um a scene. You're you're do you not have homes to eat in? Do you not can you not drink at home? Now we could take that and be like, well, is he talking to first Baptist? No, that that verse is not pertaining to us. We don't have people getting drunk on the first row and everybody just throwing the Lord's Supper all around and just being yep. gluttons with that and not sharing. So we have to understand this was for this particular time. He's setting order in the church. It's the same thing when he begins to talk to us about, hey, don't eat the food that's offered up to idols. We mm. couldn't come into our church right now into Elevation Church or your church and say, you guys, you shouldn't be eating the food that offered up to idols. We'd be like, what? That's weird. That doesn't yeah. pretend to us right now but in this day he had to set order and he had to break them out of that old bondage witchcraft and rebellion and all the stuff that they were in and bring them into the light so he's setting this order so he's saying hey we're not going to be just talking over the person leading we're not going to have all the women honey when he said that does that mean that i have to have my head covered now or and then the next wife no no honey no no when she said that no we did it's like in my classes, all the core groups going to laugh at this. In my classes on Zoom, nobody's even unmuted. Everybody starts yeah. asking questions. When I tell them, I say, stop asking questions right now, y'all. Y'all asking questions and you're not receiving. And I can't do two things at once. I'm either going to teach right now or I'm going to stop and do Q&A. But I'm not mm. going to do both. So I need y'all to stop asking questions, please, right now. Everybody, I tell them this, Isaiah, get your fingers off the keyboard. Come Tell on. your spirit, listen and stop talking. <laughs> stop asking questions. And that is legitimate. And what am I doing? I'm not telling everybody in the whole body of Christ, you can never ask a question. I'm not even mm. telling the core, you can never ask a question. I'm saying in this particular um, instance right here, for now, we need you guys to adhere to this. And I believe that is what's going on because he says it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. It is Disgraceful for y'all to be talking yeah. all over the minister, everybody interrupting. Imagine how many conversations could have been happening at once. Yeah. Have you ever tried to teach, preach, and then you have people all in the congregation talking and walking around and making a, you'd be like, guys, we need you to please sit down and please be quiet. Wives, can you do me a favor? If you do not question, why don't you do this? Why don't you go home and why don't you ask your husband the question? That way we can have some order here. That's what That's I good. believe this thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I remember learning in Bible college, the, t- the professor said that women and men in those days didn't sit in the same area. So the women were on one side because that's how they used to do it in the synagogues. And the men were on the other side. And during the preaching, the women would be like, what is he, what is he talking about? Explain it. Yelling to their husbands. And then also culturally, women were not educated. Women did not get an education in these days. So they were not educated the way women are educated now today. So they were yelling in the service. So Paul writes a letter, which Just context, 1 Corinthians 14 is about order in public services. That's what it's about. It's about order of public church services. The entire chapter is about that. So Paul says, listen, you guys are yelling across the room. He says, this is disgraceful. If you want to learn something, ask your husband at home. This is not Paul indicting all churches everywhere for all of eternity that women can't speak or preach or teach men. This is Paul saying this needs to be done in order. And one way I can prove some of this is... Paul uses the same Greek word in 1 Corinthians 14 to limit speaking in tongues with no interpretation and prophecy if someone else has a word. So three times, just to be clear, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says you shouldn't speak. And that is speaking in tongues without an interpreter, women yelling in the church, being out of order, being meeting them silent, and then prophecy. He goes, if somebody else has a word, remain silent. So there's three places where Paul says, now we don't say don't speak in tongues because Paul said don't. We don't say don't prophesy. We don't say women can't speak. The point is it needs to be done in order. So what was happening in Corinth was, and I had to do extensive research when I was teaching through some of this, is they were getting up and preaching entire sermons in tongues. They were preaching 30 minutes, 40 minutes an hour. And Paul said, look guys, when a new person comes in, they have no clue what you're saying. You're going on and on in tongues on the stage or whatever it was behind the pulpit preaching in tongues. And we don't understand. Everyone thinks you guys are crazy. He said, so if you're going to publicly speak in tongues, You need to interpret it so we can understand. Nobody, and I would agree with you, Paul, because if you go to the bottom of the letter, Paul says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So in one place, Paul says, be silent. Do not speak in tongues without an interpreter. And then at the bottom, he says, don't forbid it. So it's like, Paul, what is it? Paul says, it's order. That's what it is. So this entire 1 Corinthians 14, women being silent, in verse 35, we know what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to learn, ask your husband at home. It's shameful for women to speak like this in the church. So Paul puts constraint on not just women, tongues, prophecy, and women speaking. Now we know, I'm going to give you guys a scripture here. We know Paul did permit women to prophesy and pray. So you say, well, Paul said women shouldn't talk, but why is he contradicting himself? First Corinthians chapter 11, verse five, it says, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head for that is one and the same of her head were it's for it's one of the same if her head were shaved this is talking the head covering in those days when women weren't married they did not have a covering they just wore their hair down that meant you were available that meant you weren't married you had no no one over you so biblically which me and jenny both believe i think i'm pretty sure we both believe the men's the covering of the house the men is the priest just like she said stephen he's the head he's the priest of the home Paul was saying you need to have a covering because the covering in those days represented you were under spiritual authority. So Paul was saying, make sure that you're under authority. He didn't say don't pray and he didn't say don't prophesy. First Corinthians 11, five, Paul says, when you prophesy, make sure your head is covered. And then he goes on the bottom and says, for the angel's sake, which has a whole nother thing we won't get into. The point is to be covered by a leader. Acts chapter two says your sons and your daughter shall prophesy. So we know not just men, but also women will prophesy. So Paul closes, and I want to read a little article here if you don't mind, Jenny. Paul closes in 1 Corinthians 14.40 with saying this, everything should be done in fitting in an orderly way. 
That's the goal. The goal is yeah. not women for all time, forever, do not speak at all in the church because no church believes that anywhere. So if you believe the first part, you don't believe the second part. Like Jenny said, is women are not allowed to talk anywhere. Paul is saying if you're yelling disorderly, it's about disorderly church services, make sure that it's in order. It's, again, this right. is not a pro prohibition to women teaching, women preaching. So here's what... Um, an article I read, I'll, I'll share with you, said 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35. The guy says, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 34. Paul says a woman should remain silent in the church. It's disgraceful for her to even talk. And then the guy says, he even says that if a woman has questions during the service, they should ask their husband afterward. So if we're going to interpret these ver verses literally and apply them consistently, not only should women not teach or have authority, they should also not be allowed to ask questions in church at all. And he says this, I do not know one church that would turn away any woman with a question and send her home and say, go ask your husband. What about single women? Are those single women out of luck? Maybe something else is going on in this context that would make more sense of this passage. He says in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that a woman who prays or prophesies in church should leave a veil on her head. But in order to even pray or prophesy, a woman would have to be speaking. Apparently, Paul was okay with women praying and prophesying in church as long as they're veiled. So what does it mean when three chapters later, Paul says it's a disgrace for women to even speak in the church? From the context of his own letter, it's clear that Paul's apparent prohibition of women speaking in church was not universal and unequivocal principle for all churches, for all periods, all cultures, and all times. So what this, this historian is saying yeah. is Paul is being very clear here. This is not a word for every person, every place at all times. This is a right. word for that church. This was a description to that church, not a prescription for the universal church in all church ages. And Paul was being specific. So again, there's only just reminding two places in the New Testament that prohibit women. That's number one. We've already covered what it means there. Paul clearly is saying women can speak and there's no church that teaches women are not allowed to speak. So we can't just pick, well, women aren't allowed to preach, but they're allowed to ask questions because Paul uses the same verse there saying they can't ask questions. They need to do it at home and they can't speak. So again, I truly believe, and you guys can look at like Fuller Theological Seminary and all these other places that would agree with this. The Assemblies of God statement, which I'll read a bit of, they would agree with the statement as well. It's actually an orthodox view to tell you guys what we're telling you tonight. We're not talking yet about leadership. We've already established the baseline. Yes, women can prophesy. We know Philip's daughters did. Philip was the only named evangelist in all of scripture and his daughters prophesied, all four of them. Yes, women can prophesy. Yes, women can preach. Um, Paul was clearly talking specifically to them. Okay, second one I'll let you talk about and then I'll read a little article here that I have set up. Second Timothy, the only other verse, Jenny, it's like, we don't have 10 verses tonight. <laughs> we literally like, give us more verses. Guys, there's only two verses in all of the New Testament that prohibit women. So we've made this a huge theological debate and this massive mountain out of a molehill. There's only two verses. And that's Second Timothy, chapter 2 verse 11 it says let a woman learn in silence with all submission so already off the bat here we see paul we're back in submission here so it's all it's again it's about that order and that submission verse 12 right. and i do not permit a woman to teach or to have an authority over a man but to be in silence for adam and then verse 13 he says for adam was formed first then eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Verse 15, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if she continues or if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and self-control. So Paul, and I'll, I'll let you talk about this too, brings, talks about order. He says, you need yeah. to learn in submission. 
it seems like Jenny, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm no rocket scientist. I'm, I'm no, you know, scholar here, but it seems like this is about women that are not submissive. It seems like there's might be some women here in this church at Ephesus that are out of order, that are doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, that are crossing lines, that are, again, doing things that are culturally and biblically or re- like in a religious sense, not godly. And Paul is again bringing order to these churches and saying, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man, but to be in silence. So what are your thoughts on this verse, what you've learned, what you've uh, researched on that? Yeah, I love this one. I think that there's a lot to it. And if I can, I just want to go up because if we're going to take this literal, then we need to take it all literal, right? Yes. Like we can choose stuff. So it says, a woman should not learn. A, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Now let's go up to verse eight. This is what he writes. I want men everywhere in every place to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Now let's start taking that literal. <laughs> Come on, I want man. Men Come on, man. Lift up your hands in the bathroom. Lift up your hands in the garage and lift holy hands. Lift up your hands in Target. Lift up your hands in the airport. It says in everywhere and every place. So that means if we're taking something literal, we need to go right up the, a verse or two and start taking that. I want men everywhere and every place to lift up holy hands in prayer. So it does he mean that across the board. And that means that if Isaiah doesn't lift his hands, he's out mm. of order. Yep. That means if you do, if you get on the floor and you lay it out before God, but you don't lift your hands, that means you would be out of order. According to the way that we are trying to portray scriptures now about women teaching, leading, doing whatever, we would have to hold that up. It also says in verse 9, I also want women to dress modestly. I'm for that. Amen. Amen. And it says with decency and priority and not with braided hair. So all my sisters out there with your plaits and your braids. Right now they're untwisting right now. (laughs) They're untwisting their braids. I just just committed a crime right here. I think one of my daughter's hair is braided right now. I'll be right back. I'm going to go and braid her hair. (laughs) So right there, that would be considered, you guys would think that I'm going to hell and burning forever because of the braided hair. And then it says, or gold. So chains, can't wear chains. No gold, no nothing. Or pearls. (laughs) Or expensive clothes. So now we're going to have to start being out. Did you get that at Zara? Look what Did I'm wearing, Jenny. Movie? I know that. I'm that wearing your merch. But you know, wrote about that. It was only like $15. So we're good. Wear, all men everywhere wear clothing grace shirts. Yeah, so that's what yeah, it means. Yeah. But then it says um, expensive clothes, but with good deeds and, and who profess to worship God. And then it goes into say, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. And let me just stop right there. He begins to break down cultural differences right there. And people do not celebrate that sentence. He says, a woman should learn. And that was just, that was like, oh my gosh, what? Mm. Women were not brought in to learn nothing. They were not brought in with the rabbis. They were, it was, it was weird to see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's why Mark was like, what is she doing? This is so weird. Women do not sit and be taught. All That was for the men. She was in a, a place that was reserved for men. And Jesus begins to break down these barriers. And it says, women should learn. So let's just celebrate that Paul is saying, you should learn. Mm. And then he says, in quietness and full submission. And some people say that that you should learn means it's talking about being discipled. Amen. So we're being discipled in quietness and full submission. And then it says, 
I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over men. This is the church of Ephesus. So here he's writing a letter to Timothy and he's saying, you're going to have to address this stuff. What did they believe there? Well, let me explain that to you. They believe in their culture, aside from Christ, where they came from, that women in their religion, that women were the top. And it was like almost a worship of women. And many times the women would get together in these groups and the women had all authority. The women called the shots over everything. There was this truly a worship of women, their body parts, what they could do, the reproductive, all of that. There was worship. That's what they did. And so now he's sitting order and he's saying a woman, the, the women here in Ephesus, I know y'all are used to just asserting your authority over top of men. So if a man came in and they did not know Christ, they would automatically by their culture take over. That was just what they did. And so he's saying, no, 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 not here. Now, now, now that we're here, it, it's not right for you just to take the authority from the man and, and, and have it over him. That's not what I'm calling you to do. He's basically saying, I'm establishing order. Yes. The ladies aren't going to come in here and just bulldoze everything out the way. And we go back to female worship of gods and goddesses and all mainly goddesses and female body parts. He's like, no, not here. It's I don't permit a woman to do that. And then where it says, I don't permit, a, I don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man. She must be silent. He's talking to this church in Ephesus. And then he goes on and talks about Adam and Eve which is wild because I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, he could very well. I'm just saying I, I'm still studying. He could very well also have been talking about married couples like he was in when he, we just read in the book of Corinthians. Yep. He was talking about wives talk to your husband. And he could very well be saying that here, that the wife should not just have authority over her husband and just be bossing her husband around and just be teaching. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to tell you, you're going to listen to me. And then it brings me back to this bottom. It says that they will be saved through childbearing. Well, single women weren't doing the childbearing. It was the wives. And so to me, I'm going, wow, this very well could be saying, he could be saying, Hey, no wives. We're not going to be all wild and crazy here. We're not going to do that worship of women here. We're going to have order. But I believe that he 100% allowed women to teach. He allowed them to run house churches. He encouraged them to do that. He allowed women to go and bring the most important letter, the most important piece of document that he ever wrote that explains everything. This like the, the theology and it was genius. And he gives it to Phoebe. A woman. He doesn't pick a man. He gives it to Phoebe. And then she would have to go and she would have to read it most likely and explain it and read it out loud. And so he puts that in the hands of a woman. But yet if we hold him to this, he would be an error himself. And it just doesn't make sense. So again, let's go back to the Bible cannot contradict itself. We have to really begin to rightly divide the word and see who's he really talking to? Yeah, that's really good. And I think like we said in first Corinthians, Paul was saying women can't speak in church, but then he says, oh, when women prophesy and pray, which they're obviously right. they're prophesying at church. So Paul is culturally saying, this is the prescription to this church, not the church yeah. in all ages. And again, guys, I want to remind you in the chat, 
we're going to continue to ban people. Just be respectful. Be respectful. We're giving you the word of God. We're telling you what we believe. This is a secondary issue. This is not a salvation issue. This is not an issue to yell at this person's a heretic because they believe it or they don't believe it. So just be an adult. And if you're not going to act mature, then you're just going to get permanently banned on YouTube. We don't care. It doesn't hurt me to hit permanently ban people that are going to be toxic and vile. So just please be respectful. Our, we're supposed to be known for our love for one another, not toxic yeah. people in the chat. So it seems to be, Jenny, that Paul's talking about God's ordained order, which we both agree it's the man, then the woman. The man is the covering, which I'll give a bunch of verses for later. The priest, the man is the priest, leader of the home, leader of the church. We're not arguing that. We believe that. What we're saying is Paul is clearly not saying women can't speak at all or teach at all, which I want to give the Assemblies of God, which is probably the largest Pentecostal denomination in the United States, uh, their take on their website about women in ministry and their stance on it. And then I want to give a portion yeah. of another article. So it says the uh, first Timothy 2 11 through 15 the meaning and application of paul's statement i do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man she must be silent has puzzled interpreters and resulted in a variety of positions on the role of women and ministry and spiritual leadership it is clear this is what they say this is the assemblies of god's website and they have a huge article on this it is clear that paul recognized the ministry of women there were obvious problems in ephesus some relating to women some women were given to immodest apparel and adornment first timothy 2 9. so this text here again paul is saying there's some that were immodest immoral and were given to adornment the younger widows were into the habit of being idle and not only do they become idle but they're gossipers and busybodies busybodies which is first timothy 5 13. so we have issues here paul's addressing in paul's second letter to timothy paul warned against depraved persons and possibly including women who have manipulated weak-willed or gullible women, 2 Timothy 3.6. A reading of the entire passage, 1 Timothy 2, 9-15, strongly suggests that Paul was giving Timothy advice about dealing with these heretical teachings and practices specifically involving the women of the church of Ephesus, which is what you said, Jenny. The heresy may have been so serious that Paul had to say this about the Ephesian women. I am not allowing these women to teach or have authority over a man. So these women in Ephesus, because there, there was so much heresy going on. Other passages show that such exclusion was not normative in the ministry of Paul. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13, the entire passage has been held to some to confirm that all leaders and authorities in the early church have to be males. The passage deals primarily with male leadership, most likely because the majority practice and expectations, but there's also significant support for female leadership there. Typical of modern versions, the new... Uh, New International Version translates verse 11 in the same way their wives are to be worthy of respect. The NIV translators arbitrarily decide the verse is to refer to wives of deacons, even though there's no biblical reference in the preceding qualifications of elders of their wives. However, the word translated wives is the plural of the Greek word gyne, which can be translated either woman or wife, depending on the context. Recognizing this, the NIV translators did include the word deaconesses as an alternative reading in their footnotes. So they actually interpreted this in the footnotes as deaconesses. But the wow. NASB and the NRSV render the plural form of gyne as women. Thus, literally, the verse is addressing the qualification of women in spiritual leadership, who in this context might easily be called deacons. Although the first century cultural produced a primary male leadership, this passage, along with other biblical evidence, show female spiritual leadership. And then he gives Acts 21, Romans 16, and Philippians 4, 2 through 3. They demonstrate that female leadership in, in the Bible was not prohibited, either for Paul's day or for today. Passages that imply most leaders were male may not be taken to say that all leaders were male. 
since the biblical record speaks approvingly of numerous female leaders. And I know this is long, but it's important we do this. Galatians 3.28, those who oppose allowing women to hold positions of spiritual leadership place contextual limitations on Galatians 3.28, which is this. This is the Bible here, guys. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no slave nor free. There's no male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let Amen. me say that again. This is Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Some interpreters restrict the meaning of this to just salvation or oneness in Christ. The truth is certainly articulated throughout scripture, yet the verse carries a ring of universal application for all relationships, not just an assurance that anyone can come to Christ. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor male, nor female, slave nor free. These are basic relationship principles to which faithful followers of Christ must give high priority. The God of the Bible does not show favoritism. That's Romans 2.11. Um, 2 Samuel 14, 2 Chronicles 19, Acts 10, 34, Ephesians 6, 9. He calls whom he will and gives gifts and ministries to who he chooses. Humans Amen. do not put limitations on divine prerogatives. The stained, strained relationship between Adam and Eve, including the statement in Genesis 3, he will rule over you, comes as a result of the curse, making it clear this is not part of God's original plan and design for mankind. In Christ, we are set free from the sin and curse, which separates us from God and each other and causes us to elevate according to race, social standing, and gender race. And then the assemblies of God, it's too long to read, but their conclusion is, yes, we believe women can teach and women can preach and women can be leaders. And we'll talk about that after. I want to read one more thing, if you guys don't mind. I know we're going long here. just want to read one more thing here. This guy says, let's consider uh, 1 Timothy 2.11 in context. Paul says, I don't permit women to teach or have authority over men and to keep silent. Many churches interpret this as women are prohibited from serving in the office of a senior pastor, but think that's still okay for women to be Sunday school teachers, youth workers, worship leaders, missionaries, so on. However, we must consider a couple things. First of all, the office of a senior pastor does not even exist in the New Testament, so that interpretation cannot be the true meaning of the text. Again, guys, there's no senior pastor in the New Testament. If you didn't know, go check this out. It's in the Bible. Secondly, the distinction between the highest level of authority and other positions of authority is not present in the text. All teaching and authority over men is prohibited without qualification. So any attempt to limit the prohibition of the senior pastor is arbitrary, not biblical. In the ancient world, boys over the age of 13 were considered men. So if this passage is to be taken literally and applied today as it was applied in the first century, it would exclude women from serving as Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, worship leaders, or missionaries over any boy over the age of 13. Paul doesn't say that women shouldn't have authority over men in their own culture. He just says over a man. That would mean that a woman under any circumstance, in any condition, in any culture should have no authority over men in any circumstance. But even the Catholic Church throughout its history, and certainly the Protestant Church, which is what we are, we're not Catholic, we're Protestants, has permitted women to minister in the mission field. In other words, it's okay to have authority, listen to this Jenny, it's okay to have authority over Chinese men, over African men, over Russian men, as long as our women don't have authority over the men in our culture. Which think about the hypocrisy uh, there. Think about that. We tell women, women can go be missionaries. Yes. You could have authority and preach to African men, but you can't preach to American men. It's just the hypocrisy. I There was one megachurch side note here that a friend of mine was debating the pastor because the pastor's like, we don't believe women can teach and preach on Sunday morning. So they had a women's thing or not a women's thing, a church lunch where they emptied the church and they put tables and everyone was having lunch and then they let the women preach to the whole church while they're having lunch. So his idea was, I'm allowing women to preach as long as the people are sitting down having lunch because it's not considered a church service. But again, the, you have to be, you have to twist it all up to be able to fit yeah. into, I want right. women to, you know, again. Okay, so he says, 
just before I'm almost done just before Paul forbids women from teaching or having authority over men he also forbids them this is what Jenny talked about from braiding their hair from wearing jewelry and wearing expensive clothing now I only know a few churches including the church I was saved in the guy says that prohibited women from wearing jewelry or they said women but they never said women couldn't braid their hair or have expensive clothing I don't know any churches that forbid women from doing all the things that Paul says to do in this passage instead we have to assume that something is going on in Paul's cultural time, at least at Ephesus, that made it wrong for the women in the context to braid their hair. For example, in that culture, braided hair was considered seductive and was associated with prostitution. This is a historian who wrote this, by the way, okay? Yes. And then the last paragraph here. Even if we aren't exactly sure what the big deal is about jewelry or braided hair or expensive clothes, most of us intuitively know that verses that deal with them are culturally relative. So what the guy is saying is when you read these verses about we're not allowed to braid, wear jewelry, or wear nice clothes, you know instantly, oh, this is culturally. This doesn't apply to me. This is cultural. So so he says, but then all of a sudden, when Paul says, by the way, don't let women teach or have authority, why do so many Christians conclude that these verses must must be teaching an eternal truth for all people? So really good article because it explains the idea that if we're going to take one part, we always quote, women can't teach or preach. Well, what about your wife that wears jewelry? Because you teach that, but your wife wears jewelry, she wears expensive clothing, and she braids her hair. So we can't just pick and choose if we're going to say one thing. It must have been that Paul was giving cultural. And and then and then last thing I want to touch on, and then I'll get, ask you a few questions and we'll pray. I know we're like an hour and 20 minutes in. It's a big topic, but it's been really, it. really good so far. So I believe, and then you can push back, Jenny. You can give what you believe and, and all that. All right. But I want to give you my stance. This is my in-depth, my definitive stance on what you guys keep asking for the last hour and a half. Well, what do you believe about women leaders? Okay, let me give you verses and then I'm gonna give you my stance, okay? So no one hate me after this. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his self and as himself its savior. First Corinthians 11.3, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, okay? And the head of Christ is God. And the head of, yeah, head of Christ is God. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your husband as as to the lord okay colossians 3:18 wives submit to your husbands as it is fitting for the lord fitting to the lord first timothy 3:12 let deacons each be the husband of one wife managing their children and their own household well okay why did i give you those five verses in my opinion what i believe right now where it stands men are the are the head men are the head of the house men are the head of the church men are the spiritual leaders when the bible says women are the weaker vessel it doesn't mean weaker as in weaker it means order they're weaker as in they're below the husband in god's divine order and that's actually if you're a woman that's a great thing because you get to be under the covering of your husband and if you're a man that means you need to get up off your tail stop shouting at the ufc every saturday and get in the prayer meeting okay that's what that means so i believe this is what i believe men are the head men are the leaders of the church of the house we govern we guide our wives we're that spiritual protection we're the priest leading our kids running in the front of the battle if we're going to go to war the men are the ones that go to the battle first if somebody breaks into my house tonight i am not going to honey can you get that no i'm going to be out of my bed i know people get mad when i say this especially all of you californians all the snowflakes are going to hate this but i'm going to get my shotgun and i'm going to go find out who's at my door because i got five girls in my house i got four little girls and a wife that i got to protect so that jumping out of bed and the wife is all scared that's because i'm the priest i'm the leader of my home it's not a bad thing doesn't mean my wife's less than me remember eve came out of adam's side not out of adam's back 
So my Come wife on. is on is right there on side with me, serving with me, supporting me, ministering with me. Okay, so I believe personally, no problem women preaching, no problem obviously women teaching. I have a woman on preaching and teaching tonight. Uh, no problem women being youth pa uh, pastoring with their husband with a youth or d over children. I personally don't believe women should be the sole senior leader of a church, the senior pastor. I wouldn't want my wife to be, I wouldn't serve at a church where it's just a woman senior pastor. Now, if the woman is co-pastoring with her husband and he's the senior pastor, which again, senior pastors, not even biblical, but let's just be honest, that's what everyone in America does. I have no problem with that. He's the pastor, she submits to him, she pastors with him, praise the Lord. Some people say that's heresy and that's fine. If you believe that, I personally believe women can be leaders. If they're gonna be a senior leader, it's with their husband, submitted under their husband as a co-leader and co by being he's the leader and she serves with him. Um, but I do not believe women should or can be senior, senior pastors. I've, I've known one church in 12 years where there was a senior woman leader and no men. And let's just say it's not a healthy church, okay? I know some of them probably watch, so I just, I'm just saying it wasn't healthy. So that's my stance, wrestling with scripture tonight, looking at all these verses, hearing you talk, I'm sharing some stuff. I would say women should submit to their husbands as you just opened up with. Like you literally started by saying, my husband teaches the men, I teach the women, I submit under my husband, he's my covering. And you guys do this, Jenny, beautifully you guys are a literal perfect example of a husband that supports a strong leader in the body of christ but covers you because if you see jenny at any events stephen is right there stephen is yes. right there right there taking that man's role supporting his wife cheering on his wife but at the end of the day i'm just saying when everyone sees you guys steve we know stephen's the head of the house he's a strong man a strong leader He's not having Jenny lead the house and be the priest. So again, you can push back. You can give what you believe because I don't want to put words in your mouth. That's right. just where I stand with the leaders. I believe that the senior head leader should be a man because the Bible says the bishop's the man, uh, the elder's the man. Um, but I do believe women can teach, can preach, and have pastoral leadership roles in certain areas of the church. Go ahead, Jenny. I know I just said a lot. I gave you a lot of time <laughs> to think there. But yeah, a lot of stuff no. there. It was really, really good. And I love what you said because it's it's what I believe as well as far as the husband is the head over the wife. And many women in the body of Christ, you guys have not yet realized that we're privileged. Mm. Oh, yeah, we're privileged. Come on. Yeah, that's an honor. God did that because he favors us, not because he's putting us underneath. You see, my husband has Jesus Christ over him the head of the church it's good and jesus submitted to god and so i get my husband's covering jesus christ the head of the church father god the holy spirit is shielding me so we get double we get triple we get to be covered i get to be protected now my husband's over me thank god mm. that my husband covers me the lord saw fit to make sure his daughters were doubly covered it is not a punishment it is an honor and that's why we have to understand submission see i'm submitting to the lord's just privilege and favor over my life i'm not bucking the system you don't tell me what it, and you didn't you always went no 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 but sometimes the husband i can't tell you how many times stephen has got me out of trouble yes if it were up to me I would have 50,000 pieces of property and we would be in debt because everything I see, I want to get right now. I 
want to yeah, let's Preach. not do it right now. And Steven is like, wait, did you talk about the mortgage? You know that there's renter's insurance. I didn't even know that. I was like, what? He was like, no, we can't do this. Thank God for Steven. He will come in and he will say, hey, I really need to put my foot down in this. I feel God saying that we need to pause. Jenny, you need to pause. And I will go, really? <laughs> like sometimes I just don't want to, but I know Steven normally he is not just going to buck me on everything. He's going to speak the sovereign word of the Lord because he knows how to lead this family. And so we came from the streets. We came from the meth house and God had to do a transformation. And I remember when I wanted to be the boss and I wanted to be over him and the house was in straight up chaos. My daughter was in chaos. She didn't listen to her dad. He would tell Jenny, can you come here? And I, I'm not coming to you. You come to me. I was in strict. Wow. This is before I got demons cast out of me. One of the demons was rebellion, witchcraft. Mm. I didn't submit one to another. I didn't submit to a pastor, a leader, or anybody. So when God began to tell me, go repent to your husband, you are to follow him. I'm like, but God, he doesn't even speak in tongues. Wow. And the Lord said, you won't even find that in scripture. You're in rebellion. And I'm like, wow. It does say that I'm to follow him and he don't, he don't have to speak in tongues for me to have to obey the Bible. Amen. And so I do believe so that I do believe that women like I am over the core group. I am technically a shepherd, pastor, leader, apostle, whatever you want to call that over the core group. I'm leading people. And so with the men, um, people kept saying, start the men's group, start the men's group. And for years I could have did that. We could have triple doubled that quick. And the Lord told me, no, you're not the one to do that. And it's not because this is across the board. This is me personally listening to the Lord. And men would say, can you please open up the core for the men? And I would say, I can't do that right now. The Lord has not released me to privately mentor men. Mm. And can I go ahead and break it down for real, real with y'all? So you stop being so religious and so spiritual. There's stuff I don't need to know yes. about yes. men. I can privately mentor and cast demons out of a woman and men. I cast demons out of men too. But I am telling you, some of the stuff that I'm hearing Stephen dealing with, yep. God has not equipped me to deal with some of the struggles, the nowadays struggles that men are dealing with. Ladies, those of you go, I want to be a pastor. Some of you are thinking you want to do stuff. You don't want some of this stuff Come that y'all think you want. You don't want to have to deal with it. I personally do not mentor. I do not. Um, just take over leadership of men because some of the things that they're going through, they are not appropriate yes. for me as a woman to deal with. And I'll just say, you know, I've just got, you know, I'm not like hideous. And so I have to be mindful of yep. that too. How I am being seen by a man who might be struggling with lust, he might be struggling yep. with adultery, might be struggling with pornography. So me, I, you know what I do? I tagged Steven in something. Oh, Sister Jenny, Mom, Jenny, I got a question for you. Hold up. Let me go get my husband. Not because I don't think I'm capable. I probably could answer the question like that. I probably could solve the problem like that. But it is not appropriate for me to personally get involved because that man is struggling. I'm not setting him up for success. I'm setting him up for failure. And I can tell you the wife on the other end is definitely not going to be happy. That brother man is in my inbox talking about some, I got a porn problem, sir. That's Come not on. for me to know. Come on. Amen. You want to group yep. me, Stephen, and your wife and all four of us can be in a group. 
Now we can talk. Amen. But do not put me in inappropriate conversations. And so for that reason, I do think that, you know, in the Bible, we see, and I'm going to wrap this up, yeah, that we good. see Priscilla and, Aqu and Aquila, they were, they were leading together. And yes. even when they had to correct Apollos, they had to pull Apollos down, sit him down. And they, the Bible says they, meaning the husband and the wife, both had to teach him the more excellent way, the mm -hmm. way according to God's word. And they both poured into him. Why? Because that was the appropriate setting. If a single woman is out there and she wants to be a pastor, I do believe in uh, worship pastors. I've seen that children's pastors and you lead it. But I'm telling you, that kind of thing where you are over a whole bunch of men without any whatsoever male guidance, leadership board, or anybody that's helping you. I do think we're getting into sticky ground there. Can God do it? And, and his infant, he can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, Catherine Coleman was literally a leader over thousands and thousands and hundreds and thousands of people. But I do believe she had a great system of being able to delegate those matters to certain men in her team that could handle that. She was not mentoring privately men. And so those are my thoughts. Don't kill me, y'all. I know I'm all for <laughs> They were the like, I, Jenny, tell Isaiah he's wrong and vice versa. There's, there's some wild animals out here in the chat tonight. I'm telling <laughs> you right now, some of y'all are just crazy. I'm like, I didn't know three-year-olds can type because some of you are acting crazy no. immature. But they I would so I, I would say we take a similar stance to it. For those of you in the yeah, chat that are don't. saying Isaiah, well, a woman can't co-pastor because she's still over men. No, because if there's any issues where a man has to exercise authority, the husband sure. would do that. So the woman right. would never take that stance of authority over men because the husband would if he's the senior leader. And when for me personally, I preached in close to 500 churches. Every church I've been to where there's a, a couple where it's a husband and wife pastoring together. Everybody knows he's the senior leader. Everybody knows yeah. at the end of the day, he's the senior leader making the decisions. So for me, that's kind of the stance I would take. I would agree with you. Maybe take a little more of a harder stance. If you're a single woman, I would highly say you should not be leading over men, especially if you're a single woman. Even then, um, you shouldn't be exercising authority over men because of a lot of things that Jenny talked about. I would just say, hey, pray about God opening up the door, finding a husband before you start that ministry. Serve under a church until you get married or you you get a spouse and then you guys can work at a church together. But I wouldn't ever recommend just a woman, especially a single woman, senior leading a church. And you guys can say, you guys don't have to agree. Listen, even if you don't agree with me or Jenny, you don't have to stop watching our content. You don't have to call us heretics and make videos that only get three views about us. You don't have to do none of that. Just be a part and say, hey, I disagree with you on this area. And that's totally fine. But I think we've taken a very orthodox approach. Guys, if you Google this, Pretty much every seminary, every Bible college, every main denomination is going to say what we're saying tonight. Yes, women can teach and preach. Yes, women can be pastors to a capacity. But that senior head role of the church should be a male. That's most orthodox denominations. And guys, let me also say this. Some of you are like, I can't believe this, Isaiah. I loved you for years. I've, this is what I believe forever. I've, I've always brought on women. I don't understand how some of you are surprised. You're like, I can't believe you think women can preach. I've literally brought on so many women. And you know what? I plan to bring on more. I have someone coming in studio in a few weeks. I haven't announced yet. And I'll keep pre And we have women that preach at our church. And I believe in it. And, our, and uh, the pastor's wife is the worship leader at our church. And I believe in this. So I don't know where you guys are like, oh, I can't believe you believe in women preachers. Have you not been on my channel? Have you not been to my events? When I promote these events, Jenny, and thousands of you guys come to these churches, 
Do you not know that there are a lot of times pastors and the wife working together? Like many of you got healed and delivered at these churches and now what? You didn't get healed and delivered because now you found out, oh, the wife is helping the pastor and they're co-pastoring. So I don't know. I think right. that we have a lot of this religiosity. A lot of people out here making video after video, but not actually going out and doing the work. And so I say, amen, women, don't let the devil keep you silent. Don't let the devil muzzle your mouth. Submit to your husband. Submit to the pastor. Honor them. And there is protection and there is power when you're covered, when you have that head Amen. covering. Every one of us should be covered. I'm covered. I have multiple Amen. men of God that I'm under, that I submit to. If any of these three or four men of God that I submit to, Jenny would text me about anything that I posted or said, and they said, hey, should you take this down? I wouldn't argue, I wouldn't right. debate, I would literally instantly take it down because I'm submitted, because I'm submitted yeah. under godly authority. If any of them text me and say, we think you should, I'm submitted, what do you want me to do, pastor? Like you said, how high do you want me to jump? Because we should be under right. authority as you yeah. are, under your husband, as you and your husband are under uh, Apostle Ryan the Strange. We should be under right. these authorities because there's a wisdom in the midst of godly counsel and there is power and it keeps you humble. It keeps you submitted. It keeps your blind spots. Any blind spots you have, they're able to point out. So right. I love it. Um, Jenny, I know I, I appreciate you. It's I know it's super late where you're at. We've been going an hour and a half. We are going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Listen, this was good. Good, an hour and a half of Just this Women in so Ministry. Good. We'll do a part two. This will, of course, not be the last time Jenny's on. Jenny, why don't you, before we talk a little bit about where they can find you and all that, why don't you pray for those women that feel like they've been silenced? Why don't you pray for those men that need to get off the couch and lead their house? Because this is not just a message for women tonight. This is a call to men to rise up and be that spiritual covering for your wife. Let's just pray it out and just pray for those, those women out there and men out there. Yeah. If you need prayer, you feel like you want to step out in ministry. You feel like you've been muzzled. You've been silenced. You've been pushed back. You've been held back. You've been stuck. I want you to just put that in the comments. Just blow up the comments. Say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Put it out there. And this, this is for the men as well. If you have not supported women, you put them on the back burner. You just didn't know. And you're coming into the truth. You're saying, say, that's me. I want to support the, the women of God. I want to be a cheerleader for them. I want to propel them forward. I want to protect them. I want to put up the hedge around them. I want everybody to begin to comment and to let us know. As the spirit of God is beginning to touch people right now, all over the globe, God is awakening hearts to this truth. This is the truth of the gospel. He told us to go and preach the gospel to all creation, to all the nations. And so in the mighty name of Jesus, we come against this spirit that would muzzle God's people. We call forth the daughters of God, the daughters of Zion, right now to arise. Take your place, woman of God, in the name of Jesus. I speak to your very spirit. I command your spirit to arise in Jesus' name. Hear the word of the Lord. For it is not time for you to be silent. It is time for you to shout aloud and to raise your voices and to link arms across the globe and to take back this earth 
for the glory of God in the name of Jesus, even for your daughters listening right now, even for the little girls, the babies in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that the strength of God is coming upon them in Jesus name that people are going to say in the days to come, look at these women, where did they come from? Look what they are able to accomplish. And there will be men supporting. There will be men like Barack that will say, we will not Go to the battlefield without you. Women of God, we need you on this battlefield with us. We don't want to do ministry without you. We don't want to take back the, the kingdom of God without you. We want to advance with you. We will not leave you behind. We will not leave our little daughters behind. We will not leave the women behind, but we will champion them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we come against the spirit of rebellion. We come against this spirit that causes women to rise up and to become feminist and become completely out of order. In the mighty name of Jesus, I break that off of you right now. I command every demon of rebellion, witchcraft, rejection, abandonment, break now in the name of Jesus. Every Jezebel spirit, break now in the name of Jesus. Come out, loose your hold in Jesus' mighty name. People are being set free right now. God is literally ripping the muzzle off. I see women crying. I see women beginning to tremble, their lips trembling. I see your jaw trembling. I see women speaking in tongues. Husbands, if you're there, I'm encouraging you to go and lay hands on your wife, anoint them with oil. Let them know, woman of God, you are capable. Woman of God, I am with you on this one. You can preach. You can teach. You can move forward. I'm right here with you. And woman of God, if you're single, go get the anointing oil and anoint yourself for the service unto Jesus Christ. Sold out, committed. We're not going to let the religious people tell you no. In the name of Jesus, we're not going to let the religious police shut you down. Down. But I command your spirit to go forward in God, in the name of Jesus. I see women in political arenas right now. God's raising up political voices, political voices who will make changes in the earth, who will literally come and begin to utterly annihilate the plans of Satan. They will be secret weapons in the hand of the Lord. And the Lord says that, yes, I will give them authority. I will give them authority in the Senate. I will give them authority even in the White House. And the Lord says that he will use these secret weapons. I hear the Lord saying, no one will see them coming. No one will see them coming. But the Lord says, I will place upon their shoulders a mantle of authority, an apostolic call to build, to build, to build in the name of Jesus. I see teachers teaching classes in secular schools. They're not Christian schools. And I see teachers using prophetic strategy to give to the children. I see generations being changed. The Lord is loosing your vocal cords right now. The Lord is loosing your tongues right now. Tongues of fire come upon each and every one of them. I see the Lord releasing strategy right now. Business ideas are coming. Even as the Lord said in the word that women used their own resources and literally funded the first original Jesus movement. And so shall you have the resources to advance the kingdom for his namesake. We break lack off of you. 
We break poverty off of you in the mighty name of Jesus. Women, arise. It is your time. It's not down the road. It's not 10 years from now. It is now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we silence the accuser of the brethren. In Jesus' name, we silence that spirit that comes to accuse each other in the body of Christ. We silence that now in Jesus' mighty name. May your ears be tuned in to the speaking of the Lord and to the leading of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo, fire, guys. The, the Holy Lord Spirit up. is moving. People are getting delivered, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing. Silencing the naysayers. Listen, I think this is good we do these because it weeds out all the people we don't want following us. So if you're going to be one of those, then praise <laughs> the Lord. There's plenty of other channels that you can go to. I People are super hungry tonight. Jenny, where can they find your stuff? Now, before, you, before I even ask you that, guys, every time I have her on, I love to flood her merch store. I have her merch store linked in the description. One of the best ways you can support her, watch, she's going to tell me everything's sold out, but one of the best ways you can support her <laughs> is by going to her merch store down below. And then also I want you to talk about Jenny. There's people listening that want to be a part of the core group. So how could they get plugged yeah. into the core group? What events do you have going? Anything that you just want to shout out here? There's about 4,500 people still on. So where oh. can they find you? Yeah, well, they can find me at my website, um, JennyWeaverWorships.com. I'll put in the chat. So you want to get merch or you want to join the core group, it's all there at JennyWeaverWorships.com. If you just want the core, we actually have a new website for that, and it's CoreGroupMentorship.com. So you can see the teens, the men, the all the different programs there as well. Um, we have Rise of the Debras coming up this weekend. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! So remember, last year we had 300, and we're about to have. 3,000 in wow. Orlando and we had to cut off. We had to cut the registration off at 3,000. We can't fit anymore. And it was sold out in a matter of like 48 hours. And we don't ever even broadcast it out to the public because it, we, we cannot handle that. So we're excited about that. It's going to be on good Friday. You're going to get 3,000 core group. When the core group comes into a place, the whole hotel is shaken. Mm. This is not regular conference stuff. In every elevator, we're going to have people praying, putting oil all over the entire hotel, in the parking lot, all over Orlando. Orlando is about to be shaken by the glory of God. It's not about a name. That's why we don't even put people on the flyers anymore. After Isaiah's face was on there, we said no more faces on the flyers. <laughs> I messed it up or what? <laughs> no. He was no, so God ugly. Said- we we're like, we're never putting a face again on the flyer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just said no more faces for a period of time and let the people just come. So we're so excited about that. And if you want to be a part, as soon as you join the core group, if you're a lady and you join, you sign up today, then your husband automatically gets in his group. Kids automatically get in their group. There's not like additional enrollments and signups. We just say one person be committed enough to at least just enroll the right way. And your whole family can get into their private mentorship groups. If you're a man and you just want to be in it, you sign up the right way and we get you right into the core group, core men with my husband. And tomorrow night, the men are going to be live and John Ramirez Come on. is going to be live with them. So that's going to be cool. So um, guys, get get involved in this. Someone said Isaiah looks like Koopa from Mario. <laughs> what does that even what? mean? What is I, that? I just it's like one of the little characters. 
Sorry, that's oh so funny. God. That's so funny to me. I'm sorry. I'm saying my jaw hurt. Guys, get involved in... <laughs> I'm sorry. Reading comments, I get distracted. Get involved in the core group. It's linked in the chat in the description. Get a part of this. If you guys want to get to these events, you got to be a part of the core group because it's not... Again, yeah. these are not promoted to the public. How crazy is this that they, they have too many people wanting to go? They can't even open it to the public. So be a part yeah. of the core group. Get some merch tonight. Get on the front lines. Jenny Weaver, thank you once again for having me for having me on. For coming <laughs> on. Thank you for having me on tonight, Jenny. Thank you for being on the broadcast. I love having you on every time. The time flies. You know, I, I don't want to be rude here, but some guests that I have on, I'm like, oh, we got to go 30 more minutes. We're struggling at like 20 minutes. Whenever I have you oh. on, I literally blink and two hours has passed. So I appreciate no. you being on. Um, we love you we and both your family. Talk a lot. <laughs> yes, I love it. It's but when you have guests on, you want them to talk a lot. I'm like, man, I want my guests. People always say I talk too much, but I'm like, if my guest doesn't talk, I have to talk, you know. But Got you, to. but I love having you on because we're able to just flow thank and you. get you know one or two points for an hour and a half, and so it makes it much easier. But thank you for being on. Tell your husband I love him. I appreciate you guys, and I hope I'll see you guys soon. I want to say something. Yes, I go say for it. Thank you, Isaiah, and all the ladies can say this to you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for championing us. Thank you for giving us a voice when other people would not give us a voice and a platform. Thank you for just loving us in this way. Sisters in Christ, we appreciate you. We honor and we value you. Seriously. Love Thank you guys. You. I love all the core group. Remember, I'm the first core man group. in the core group, honorary <laughs> member, golden card. So love you guys. Thanks so much, Jenny. Love you guys. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.